Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I'm amazed when I, I look at Christians that blow it. It's people that they ain't doing nothing. How long have you been saved? I've been saved 25 years. Where are you serving at? What are you doing for the Lord? What, what are you, what are your, what, where have you put your hands to the plow? What are you doing? I go to church. Now you just sitting duck. You can't be just sitting around doing nothing. You, you call, you got purpose. And like, once again, you'd be amazed at how when you walk in your purpose, you're in the offensive. How there are things that just, they just don't fit my lifestyle right now. My lifestyle is Christian service. And this, that doesn't fit this lifestyle. So I won't be at that. There's a tendency as you live longer in your life as a believer to grow lazy. You know you're saved. You get into the routine of a couple of religious items to check off. But as far as being on fire for the Lord, well, that fades. Today, Pastor Bill will encourage you to walk forward in the purpose and calling of the Lord. When you do this, you're less likely to stray from God and far more likely to be a part of God's miracles in this world. Never give up serving and loving and honoring God. Stay strong and on fire for Him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 25, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Right here we see with this people when sin is rampant among God's people, the work is hindered, and that's why we must deal with it. That's why we can't let it go in the church, right? We're going to see in a little bit that Phineas, God is kind of celebrates him. He gets rewarded. There's a blessing spoken over him for being uh, zealous for God, for going and saying, I'm dealing with this sin. I'm going to thrust this guy through with a spear. And even though that's not how we deal with it today, as people of God and people in the church of God, we need to be zealous about sin, that we can't let it fester and, and run amok among us. And so in some church circles, there are things that just get let go. I know they sleep together. I know they smoke dope. I know they do whatever and no, no, nobody says anything, right? Or worse, in some church circles, We'll say something, but not to them, behind their back to other people. Did you know that they would do blah, blah, blah? Well, I didn't know that. Wow. And, and then we'll do that. That doesn't help anybody. Gossip is a sin itself. So you just join them in a different sin, right? We have to go to people and say, hey, are you doing this? Well, it looks like you're doing And confront people and challenge them. You know what happens, though? This is just one of two things happen. I'll, I'll share this openly. In our fellowship, we only been going, we celebrate six years this Sunday, in the time that we've been going, we've had, over time, people come in that were living together uh, in sexual sin. They were living in fornication. And this is what happened, ultimately. There are some that were convicted, confessed, repented, a couple got married, came back together, whoop wham all good. There were some got annoyed, y'all are judging me, stop saying it, stop talking to me, sisters keep giving me verses, man, man, they left, Right? That I, and I'm okay with that. I'd rather you be annoyed. If you're not going to submit to God, God forbid that you would get comfortable sitting in here in your sin. You should leave. What do you want to be here for? What do you want to be here hearing about it every week for? What do you want to be here being convicted for? If you're not going to submit to God, why are you here? We, we, I mean, that may sound harsh to some, right? We want to be a place where people get saved. If you come into the church and you're saying, I'm not going to submit to God, I'm going to do my own thing. Jesus cannot be Lord. You should be uncomfortable here. That's what it should be. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the people giving verse. I had another guy that was here, same thing. And I'm challenging him, talking to him. That I, He found another church where they didn't mind because everybody else did it too. And I'm like, well, I, I, I feel bad for that church. 
They got a church full of people feeling like they could live in sexual sin. And I know that the Bible says no fornicator is going to inherit the kingdom. Right? Um, they're misled. That's, that's, that's not fair to do to people, to leave them in that place. So what should happen in the hearts of God's people is conviction, repentance, restoration. Conviction, repentance, closer to the Lord. That, that's, that's the process. That's how sanctification happens. It should not be that we come into his presence on a regular basis and just, I, I, I don't hear anything. I'm not listening. I'm not moved to change. I, matter of fact, I won't give that up. I'm going to continue to do this. Then how can you say what Jesus said? How, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you to do? I'm not Lord. You are, right? But you can't save yourself. So you got a problem. Right. If I'm not Lord, Jesus saying, if he's not Lord, we all have a problem. He needs to be the Lord. And wherever he's not Lord, we need to find ourselves in submission. We need to find a place to repent and submit and let Jesus be Lord of every area of our lives. Amen. And so now let me give you this little tidbit. Uh, if, you, if you read verse nine, it says, and those who died in the plague were twenty four thousand. If you write notes. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8, when Paul recounts this story, he says that 23,000 people died. So some of your Bible critics go, oh, there's a discrepancy. Paul said 23,000. Moses said 24,000. And, 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 and this is the thing. Whenever there seems to be a discrepancy, you, you go back and study and figure out, okay, because this is God's word. So here's where it's fixed at. If you look at the reference in 1 Corinthians 10, 8, um, there's a phrase you don't want to miss. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 8 says, uh, speaking of this same story, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And notice this, and in one day, 23,000 died. So Paul says in one day, so 23,000 people died in one day. And then as you come here, it says those who died in the plague were 24,000. So numbers gives you the grand total. All, all together, 24,000 people died. So there were people that on, on, the, on this one day, there were 23,000 people died. And it looks like because it was a, some kind of illness or sickness that in the days following, there was another thousand people that died. So numbers has given us the grand total. 24,000 people lost their life. Paul is pointing out in 1 Corinthians 10, 8, that in one day, 23,000 people died. So again, it's not really a discrepancy. It's just something you go back and look at uh, a little more closely. So I just want to make sure we got that before we moved on. Now look at verses 10 through 13. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel. First positive thing about Phinehas, because he went and thrust them through with the sword, because he was zealous for God, God says the first thing, he turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. So he said, because he was zealous from, from me with my zeal, I stopped. And I would just say this, because it becomes very unpopular today to be that person pointing out sin, calling it what it is, challenging people, you parents, it's going to be real unpopular to do that with your kids, to, to, to hold the ground and say, that's wrong. Don't do that. That's not OK. You know, we're this is the kind of household that we're, we're raising. It's going to be very unpopular to be that parent. 
um, to be zealous for the things of God and not be willing to let stuff slide and let, let, let stuff slip. Um, it, it's challenging to be that kind of person in the church. I don't enjoy pointing out anybody's sin. I don't enjoy challenging people or correcting them about things that they're doing. I don't enjoy it. There's, no, there's, there's nothing enjoyable about it. People get mad at you. I got people that hate me just because I challenge them with what God's word says. Now they don't like me. Now I'm, I'm a bad guy. Um, I don't like that. I don't get a, I don't get a jolly out of that. I, I, I prefer that it all was good, but it's not going to always be good, right? And I would just challenge us that, are, are you willing to do the hard thing? Some people aren't willing to do the hard thing for anybody. There are people that got friends, friends that they hang out with, spend time with, that are living in ongoing sin, they won't say nothing to them. What kind of friend are you? What kind of friend is that? There are people that got kids under their roof where they can see what's going on. You got, you got a, a close-up view on what's happening, you won't say nothing. What kind of parent is that? Right? And then within the church, we're brothers and sisters. We're the family of God. We should be deeply concerned for each other's well-being. And if I see somebody doing something that the Bible says this thing is going to bring forth death, this thing called separation between them and God, I got to love you enough to say, hey, can I, I'm, I, I'm going to talk to you about one-on-one. I'm going to talk about you behind your back. I'm going to get with you one-on-one, spend some time with you. But I want to show you what's going on. I want to show you. I want to compare it with the word. Look at what you're doing. Look what the word says. What's up with that? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? That's not what God wants. It's not what God has for you. Um, not popular, not fun, but it's necessary. It's necessary. And so God celebrates Phineas for it. Um, you know, it, it, I'm sure, you know, the people in the tent weren't happy and maybe their neighbors. I don't know how the people around there felt, right, that Phineas did that. What was it like afterwards for the people that lived next door? What was it like with that, that, those people that got thrust through, their family members? Because we'll see in a little bit that it was a leader's kid that got thrust through, right? What, the leaders are still around. How they feel about what happened? We don't know. Doesn't matter? Doesn't matter. All that matters is that God was okay with what Phineas did. That it pleased God. We have to become that kind of people. Where God care about what you say. I want to please you. And if pleasing you displeases a few people, then they're going to just be displeased. But I, I live to please you. I live for your glory. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. Hold you back from being the person God wants you to be. You can't be afraid of man. We got to fear the Lord. Amen? And so that was verse, uh, sorry, verse, that was 11. Yeah, verse uh, 12 and 13 now. Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. So because Phineas did that, God says, I'm making a covenant of peace with him. Verse 13, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. So God says, I'm guaranteeing him peace and I'm making a covenant with him and his kids after him, a priesthood because he was zealous for his God and he made atonement for the children of Israel because he dealt with sin. And uh, once again, I would encourage us, um, we don't become little mini Holy Ghosts. You know, some, some Christians get weird and they think they're Holy Ghost Junior and they start sniffing out stuff. You know, you know we're, not, we're not trying to become that it, it's things that are obvious, right? I'm not running up behind anybody saying, what, what, you know, trying to see if I can figure out something sinful that they're going on. Some stuff's just obvious. It's obvious that you're living in sin right here. So I'm gonna call you on that. It's obvious that you smoked dope on your way here. I'm gonna call you on that. It's obvious that you're, you're drunk today. We're gonna talk about that. Um, we're not looking for stuff. I'm not sniffing up behind people trying to see if I can create some stuff that's not there. Um, that's not God. That's, that's weird. But when, when stuff's obviousness in your face, I have to ask myself that when I become aware of stuff because I'm not looking for it, how come I know what I'm supposed to do with this? I know I'm not supposed to gossip. 
I can pray for him. Do I talk? And I ask, Lord, do I go to him? Do I confront him? Do I talk to him? What do I do? Why did you show me? Why do I know? I wasn't looking for it, but now I, I see it. So what do I do with it? And you pray. And sometimes God's going to have you be a Phineas. Um, sometimes with our kids, you may, stuff you're not necessarily looking for. You know, you just you catch wind of it. You see it over the years with my kids they are all different. But there'll be times where I kind of catch wind of something. And I'd be like, and I talk to my wife, like, I see this trend right now. And we need to nip that in the butt. I said, you see that? I'm, I'm looking now. Now I'm alerted to it. I, I'm aware of it. You know, uh, I won't name my kids and embarrass them on tape. But, a, you know, a, a particular child, I, I started noticing a trend where I'm like, they would say something. And I, I just in my spirit knew that that was a lie. I don't I couldn't prove it. But I'm like, just become aware that I think they, they're, that's a tendency. And I told my wife, I'm going to wait until there's a lie that's verifiable. And I'm going to whoop them so good. <laughs> and we're going to have a talk about lying. I'm going to wait till I get a, I mean, I'm not going to catch you for what I don't know. But I'm like, I'm, I believe in my spirit. That's a lie. And that's a lie. And then boom, it, sure enough, a lie will come. And it's like, all right, now, now it's going to be real. Um, we're going to talk about lying, why it's bad, makes you like the devil. You know, he's the father of lies. You, you know, you, you don't want to become that kind of person. You'd be walking in darkness and the rod of correction and drive it far out of you. So we're going to get the rod or the belt in my case, you know, whatever it may be. So, um, but you know, that's, that's what we have to do. That's helping them. That's not, I don't do that because I don't love them. I love them too much to let them just let the enemy just have them to just see a flaw and just let it be and let that develop any further. Now we're going to stop that. And so not popular to be a Phineas with people, but it was very popular with the Lord. It was very popular with the Lord. The Lord said, man, that's my guy. He was zealous for me. I'm making a covenant of peace. He's going to have peace for you and your kids and a, a priesthood for you and your kids after you. You're my kind of guy. You're zealous about me and what I want. And it pleased the Lord, obviously. Look at verse 14 now, 14 and 15. And the name of the Israelite who was killed with the Midianite woman was Zimri, the son of Salu, a leader of a father's house among the Simeonites. So, Unfortunately, it's a leader's kid, right? Um, it was one of the leader's kids that was doing this thing that had the Midianite woman. Maybe that's why he felt so bold to walk up in there with her because his dad or his parents were leaders and he could just come and do whatever he wanted, maybe. Um, and I would just say that to any of us that are leaders, um, our kids do become a little bit more of a target. And we, we, you know, we, can't, we can't make our kids be anything, but we want to be that much more diligent and are leading and rearing and ministering to our kids. You know why? Because sometimes when the enemy can't get to you, what's the closest thing to you? If he can't get to you and he can't get to your spouse, the, 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 what has a, a handle on your heart more than anything else as a parent? Your kids. They, absolutely, and they should. They matter that much. And that's why we got to be after him and we got to be behind him and in front of him and raise him up in the ways of the Lord and doing our best to pour in. Again, there's, no, there's nothing you can do to guarantee godly kids because every single one of us makes our own choice. But we do want to give them the best chance. Uh, we want to be good examples. I want to show them what it looks like. I want to give them their best chance uh, to, to, to move in God's direction. And like me and like you, they'll have their opportunity to make their own choice. And we pray that they, that they choose Jesus and that they surrender and submit to him. So, um, but these are leaders' kids. That was, the guy was a leader's kid. Look at verse 15. And the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, the daughter of Zer. He was head of the people of a father's house in Midian. So her father was also a leader. 
two leaders' kids. Even though he wasn't a leader from God's people, he was a leader from the other two leaders' kids, taken, take caught up in this sin, died for it. And uh, I just, I wrote that in my notes and pray for the leader's kids. And I, I would encourage you guys, that some I've, I've always, you know, when I, when I did youth ministry, you know, you would look at the pastor's kids and the leader's kids. And sadly, in some circles, it's like those become the worst kids. Worst kids in the church, the PKs, those would be the worst kids in there, tearing up everything and doing everything. And I, I feel like it shouldn't be that way. I'm thinking those should be the most, you know, it should be the kids that, that, that have been reared. At least there's a reverence and a respect for the things of God. You know, you can't, you can't make a kid be anything, but those shouldn't be the worst kids in the place. Um, but as leaders, we can't get so caught up in the work that we forget about the work under our roof. Uh, that they're, they're a priority. And um, for us in our fellowship, the, the, what I've taught, what I share with everybody is that the order of events for Christian service is first you and Jesus. If you're blessed to be married, you, Jesus, then you and your marriage. If you're blessed in your marriage to have children, it's you and Jesus, you and your marriage, you and your kids. And as those things are in order, uh, service is as an overflow of those things. Um, so I wouldn't skip out on ministering to my kids to do other ministry. I realize that anybody else can do what I do here, but no one else can be my kid's dad. Um, somebody else can preach. Someone else can teach. Someone else can pastor. But only I can be my kid's dad. And so I got to make sure that that's a priority. I'm not open to anybody else being my, my wife's husband. So I got to be on that job, too. Like, that's my gig. That's, I got to be there, too, uh, invested there because those are my in order of, of in God's order of importance. Me and Jesus, me and my marriage. Me and my kids, as those things are in order, as an overflow, now I can come and, and be a part of ministry elsewhere. Um, but that's the order. Uh, I wouldn't skip out on marriage, skip out on kids in order to do ministry. It's got to be as an overflow. So um, that's the order we want to we want to roll with. And last couple verses. Look at verse 16. Now it says, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, harass the Midianites and attack them. For they harassed you with their schemes by which they seduced you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of the leader of Midian, their sister, who was killed in the day of the plague because of Peor. And God gave a directive. God said, I want you to harass them and attack them. Right. The enemy has harassed you. And he's attacked you. He's now I want you to go after him. And there's an important thing here as believers. Right. God is basically saying, y'all need to go on the offensive. Y'all just got your butts handed to you over here in the matter of pure. They seduced you, they harassed you, they, they tricked you guys, they schemed against you and they won and all these people are my people and they're dead. Now God said, now go get some. Go harass them. Go and attack them. And I would just say this, as far as victory in the Christian life, when people tend to fail and fall and falter is when they're in neutral or they're backsliding. You'd be amazed at how when you're moving in purpose, when you're moving forward and walking in your purpose, when you're doing the things you've been called and designed by God to do, there's a sense of, no, I can't do that because I'm doing this. I don't have time to be messing around with that because I'm called to do this. I can't be doing that because that would not let me do this. And I'm, I'm doing something already. You'd be amazed at how when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, those things are not as appealing. You don't get wrapped up. When did David fall, right? When David was lopping heads and killing giants and going to war. He was rolling. You know, what, you know what it says? In the time when the kings go to battle, David decided, stand back this time. He ends up chilling on the roof. 
walking around and sees Bathsheba. And, and you guys all know the story. Well, I don't like to say that because I don't know everybody, but most of y'all know the story. It goes bad. He sins. He falls. He should have been at war. He wasn't that old yet. He should have been out there leading the troops and, and, and gunning, you know, doing whatever they needed to do. But he was at home chilling. And that's what happened. I'm amazed when I, I look at Christians that blow it. It's people that they ain't doing nothing. How long have you been saved? I've been saved 25 years. Where are you serving at? What are you doing for the Lord? What, what are you, what are your, what, where have you put your hands to the plow? What are you doing? Nothing. I go to church. You just sitting duck. You can't be just sitting around doing nothing. You, you call, you got purpose. And once again, you'd be amazed at how when you walk in your purpose, you're in the offensive, how there are things that just, they just don't fit my lifestyle right now. My lifestyle is Christian service, and this, that doesn't fit this lifestyle, so I won't be at that. Hey, would you want to come to this thing over here? No, I want to be at that thing because I know you're going to be doing that at that thing, and I'm called to do this, and I can't be mixed up with y'all at that thing. I'll be over here with these people doing this thing. God bless you. Uh, you'd be amazed at how it keeps you where you need to be, with the people you need to be with, right where you need to be, keep you out of trouble. Um, and so I'm just throwing that out there. God said, y'all need to get out there and start a fight. He said, go harass them and attack them. God's saying, go, go take it to them. Start some mess. They mess with you, go get you some. And just as much for us, we ought to be walking in the offensive in our spiritual lives. There's plenty for us to step out and do. And so may, may we be exhorted, right? If, if there's not anything that you got your hands busy doing, um, I'm encouraging you in three ways. The last, of, the last of which is that you would put your hand to some work for God, that you be on the attack, on the offensive. If that's praying, if that's sharing the gospel, if that's getting involved in ministry, if it's serving in some way, find you some way to be busy doing what God wants you to be doing. Um, second thing is, is like, Eli, like um, Phineas, I'm sorry, uh, God, was, God was pleased with his zeal and his passion for holiness. And so... If, if you've made it cool to kind of not say nothing or just to be a silent acknowledger of sin, understand that that didn't please God. What God was pleased with, the person that stepped up and did something about it. That's dealing with other people's sin and issues. And then the lastly, and probably the most importantly, is everybody here struggles and compromise in some areas. And if the Holy Spirit has put a finger on any area in your life, then don't be just a hearer of the word. But, but James said, be a hearer and a doer also. Hear it, be convicted by it, and repent and make changes. Let, let, let God's word cause you to walk differently, cause you to live. Don't just hear this and go on in some area of compromise because sin brings death. And God would have you to choose life. And so I encourage you, any area of compromise that you're aware of, God's spoken to you, put a finger on, how do you handle it? You confess to God. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, but you also need to repent. We looked at that verse in Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And God would love to show mercy to all of us. And so you confess, you forsake, he shows mercy. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the example of Phineas, Lord, the example, the, the, the bad example, uh, what happened to the children of Israel as they consented with the Midianite women, Lord. And um, God, thank you for what you teach us about you, Lord. Thank you, God, that as in our story, those leaders hung themselves. God, we thank you that you hung in our place. That, God, you took our sins upon yourself. That you bled and you died that we might be cleansed and forgiven. And we worship you, glorify you, and thank you for that. God, I pray for any that are under conviction in any areas that 
They wouldn't end up condemned and run off from you. But God, I pray that through conviction, Lord, you would, you would cause them to repent. That, God, they might live their lives more fully for you. And God, I pray that where we need to be like Phineas and speak up, that you would give us boldness to do so. And uh, Lord, help our lives to be clean enough for us to speak. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely, there are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting, and the nation as a whole. But God is still here, and He's proven time and time again that He's not leaving you or abandoning you. So when you're tempted to get down and out, chin up and remember that He is faithful. The messages you've been listening to are in Ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church. We meet at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday. And you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Well, that's all we have time for today, but Pastor Bill will have more to share from the Book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word.